Here we are. Paul, in Acts chapter 20, he calls all the disciples together. He exhorts them. Then we've got Sopater, Aristarchus, Gaius, Timothy, Tychicus, Trophimus. He has personal time with all those men, Acts chapter 20. Then we see him, he's breaking bread with the disciples. He's preaching to them. The preaching went on till midnight. Let's pick up our spot there in Acts chapter 20, where it says in verse 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And so poor, poor Eutychus, he falls asleep. Paul's preaching too long. The third loft, he falls down. And guess what happens, kids? He dies. And so, you know, what you do with that one is that you, uh, you know, the preacher says, you know, don't fall asleep in church. Stay up so you don't die like Eutychus, right? And, so, <laughs> and then the church members say, well, look, but the preacher shouldn't preach long. He's going, he's long preaching. He's going to cause one of us to die. And so the church members take that application. I'm sure both of them are there and we can apply them. We tend to miss something even more important. What happens in the next verse is... Look at this. And Paul, verse number 10, went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had taken and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day. So he departed. What we miss is God showed up. God has power and God gives life. That's the big point of this. Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 12, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. We saw that. Eutychus' name means fortunate. Why was he fortunate? God showed up. God showed up. And the big point of this is that God gives life. He's the giver of life. Um, let's go down now to Acts chapter 20. And let's go down to verse number 18, because I'm going somewhere with this. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, verse 18, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all at seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befall me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back Nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The key verse I want to point out is I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, really. We've got to move beyond to mature and grow in the Lord of salvation messages, which are important. I preach them. I mean, we do public ministry. That's all we preach. It's the same message over and over. And I don't want to keep anything back from you. I want you to get all the profits you can get. I want to be like Paul. I want to get all the profit I can get. 
So I don't want to keep anything back. Verse number 22. Look at this. And now behold, I go in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that should befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide in me. And you preach a message like this, and this is going to be the introduction to the weeks to come. You don't know what's going to befall on you. I don't want to make enemies. I don't want to be on anybody's bad side. I don't want to be the preacher of the talk on the car ride home. I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy. But I don't want to hold anything back either. So honestly, verse number twenty-four. Look at this. This is my heart. Acts chapter twenty, verse twenty-four. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. I wish I could say that like Paul wrote it under spirit inspiration so that I might finish my course with joy. That's what I want. I want to finish my course with joy, knowing that I've kept nothing back and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I want to finish my course with joy. Verse number twenty five. And now behold, I know that y'all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. I don't want anybody to say that. I don't want to see that guy's face no more, man. I can't take this anymore. I don't want that either. Last two verses. This is the introduction to the introduction that's going to sum up the introduction. Wherefore, verse 26. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Last verse. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. As best I can, I try not to cherry pick verses. As best I can, I try not to cherry pick prayers. You know the aim prayer. The preacher's upset at somebody, so he just aims the prayer at that guy or aims, aims the prayer at that. Or, you know, you cherry pick a sermon, you know, you're upset at somebody, so you just. You know, the drunk guy that won't quit drinking, you just fix up a sermon about drinking that Sunday. I don't do that, but I don't want to do this either. I don't want to come across passages in the Bible and skip over them. Well, because if we preach that, somebody might leave. Somebody might get upset. Somebody might not put their big tithe in the offering box. So I want to do all the counsel of God. And so. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Regarding days, let's start there. Everybody okay? So far, so good. If you are, say amen. All right, amen. All right, let's go over to Romans chapter number 14. Let's look at days, what the Bible says regarding days. Let's, let's see here. Romans chapter 14. Him that is weak in the faith. What's the context of Romans 14? Somebody that's weak in the faith. Receive ye, but not the doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who is weak eateth herbs. Is the context herbs? We see a subcontext of it. Or is the main context the weak brother or the weak sister? We're dealing with someone that's weak. New believer that knows something. So it'd be better, you know what? I'll do something that'll help him out. I'll do something that'll help her out. So it's the weak brother. Now look, let not him that eateth 
despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. You know, it doesn't really matter what you eat. If you want to eat a vegetarian diet, have at it. When you read in the Bible, arise, Peter, kill and eat, and you want to have a nice uh, sirloin, have at it. We're not going to judge each other in those things. Now, if you're not going to eat a pig because you think that might be grandma reincarnated and we don't want to kill a pig. Well, okay, now we got a different issue. We got reincarnation and we don't want to eat the cricket. We don't want to fire that up over the fire because that might be grandma. (laughs) That's the whole idea of this spiritualism and reincarnation. If you're really good, you might come back as a really strong ox. But, oh, if you're really bad, you might come back as a smelly lizard or toad. Well, that's a bunch of hogwash. God doesn't teach that. So look, no matter what you eat, you eat what you want to eat. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Verse 5, one man esteemeth one day above another. December 25th, whenever the Easter celebration falls, whenever the uh, uh, the pagan sex god shows up on November four, or uh, February 14th, and then the, the, the big scary man on uh, the 31st, and we just go right down. All of these days come up as, oh boy. God says, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord in verse 6. Verse six, And he that regardeth not the day of the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. So two things. Whatever you do, do it to God. But know for sure, have it settled and persuaded in your own heart and mind that you're doing it to God. How do we know that? If it's in accord with God's word. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Do you know what the Jews had? Festivals, feast days, Sabbaths. You know, we're going through the book of Galatians in Sunday mornings, and we see all of this. A Jew got converted. Well, now they got to give up these Sabbaths, these feast days, and all of this, and they, they, they're Jews. That was how they worshiped God. Well, Paul says, look, there's a New Testament, man. None of those things make us right with God. You imagine being a Jew and having to give up one of the Sabbaths? It's all they know. It's all they did. It was part of their religion and their culture and their tradition and their family. Now you're saying it don't mean nothing. That's a tough pill to swallow. So they wanted to keep all these Jews. They wanted to keep all those things after they've been converted. And ain't nobody talking them out of it. Welcome to Christianity in 2020. People have stuff they can't find in the Bible anywhere, but ain't nobody talking them out of it. (laughs) They have it settled in their mind that this is what they're doing and it's for the Lord and you're not going to talk them out of it. Now, they can't show you in the Bible where it's at. They just know. They just know. I just know. 
So I'm asking you to be careful about that. So now we have the Gentiles. They get saved. They got no custom. They got no tradition. None of those days were sacred to them. None of those days were special. You see the difference in a Jew getting saved back then and a Gentile? Completely different. To the Jew, those were special days that show that they were separate people. Wow. And they were fully persuaded in their mind. But who or what should persuade us? I was brought up Roman Catholic. I can allow all those feast days, all those days of celebration to persuade me. I can allow my mother to persuade me. I can allow my grandmother to persuade me. Or I can allow the Holy Scriptures to persuade me and then respectfully deal with those other issues the best that we can. Personal conviction, popular opinion, Isn't that tough to get away from? It's tough. But your level of spirituality, my level of spirituality, isn't promoted by celebrating holy days. A day is a day. We should regard every day to the Lord. Isn't it a blessing to come on the first day of the week on a Sunday and we put everything aside and we're just thinking about worshiping the Lord corporately? Singing his praises. Isn't that good? I mean, none of help clean up the mess of the week. What do we do Monday morning, though? All of a sudden, it's not a day to the Lord. We shouldn't work our job as heartily as we can to the Lord. We shouldn't run our home. You see, what, see where I'm going with this? Every day is the Lord's day. Although the first day of the week, it's a blessing to come together and not think about anything else. It's a double blessing. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to run some history on Christmas, some history on Easter, some history on Halloween, some history on 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 Valentine. And we're going to ask, I'm going to ask, what has persuaded you? That's the question. What has persuaded you? Um, Romans 14, verse number six. We talked about the day. Um, People say. Uh. I, I don't really celebrate the day. I just I just celebrate the season or whatever the season is. I don't know if you've heard that one or not, but hey, we're just not making it about the day. We're making it about the season. Let's go over to Psalm 37. And as you're turning there, remember 2 Timothy 4, 2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. What should we do? What's the season that it's always to do? Preach the word. <laughs> we want to be in the word. Why well, celebrate the season? Okay, let's get in the word and see what it says. Psalm 37. The Bible says in Psalm 37, verse seven, rest in the Lord. We don't need a Sabbath day of rest, by the way, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. God asks us to rest in him. There's not a day that we can regard higher than another day and say, whoo, man, I really feel really spiritual about that. 
We just came back. We had a good Bible conference three days in, in Albany, Kentucky. It helped me a lot. It was a, re- it was a spiritual blessing. I was on a high. You ever get on those highs when you, you either first get saved or you witness to somebody and they don't curse you out? Or, you know, it's just a really good Sunday at church. Man, you just, man, that day was just great. You have those days? That's a blessing. You praise God for it. But God is the one who was special about that and the Holy Spirit, not the day. It wasn't because it was December 25th or because it was a Sunday. Because God is great and we find our rest in him. So we rest in the Lord. Let's go over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. Jump around a little bit now. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to be in verse 28. Matthew 11, verse number 28. Look what it says. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You heavy laden? You think a lost person is heavy laden? Here's what you tell them. Come to Jesus, and Jesus said, I will give you rest. You won't find it on celebrating the Sabbath. You won't find it by waking up on the 25th at 6 a.m. and finding goodies under a tree. You won't find it that way. You have to come to Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. Because when the visa bill comes in on January 1st, you're going to have to take that yoke upon you to pay for all the gifts that you bought for people that really don't talk to you half the year anyway. But I'm being you know sarcastic to just say that God says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest under your flesh. No. Under your souls. Young people, listen to me. Your flesh is weak. It's going to get old and wrinkly. And one day you're going to die. But your soul is eternal. God wants your soul. He wants you to trust in Him. Find rest in Him for your soul. For your soul. I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Go over to Matthew 12, verse 43. You know what happened here? Here's what it says. Verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. You know what he seeks? Rest. You know what he finds? No rest. We're pointing people to find rest. We cannot find rest in holidays regarding a day higher than another day, in gifts, in any of this fleshly stuff. We can only find rest for our soul in the Lord. My concern is that as Americans, I don't know if we can say this for all countries. I don't know. I've not been to many other countries. So I don't know. But my question is, culturally, are we trying to create rest for our flesh? Through excitement, through entertainment, through a big celebration. We're trying to create something fleshly and we miss the boat. So that's what I'm asking you to consider as we go through some of these things over the next few weeks. All right, let's continue our way of introduction. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7. 
hope I'm giving you some things to chew on, some principles to think about. Second Corinthians chapter number seven, um, verse number five, second Corinthians seven, verse five, the Bible says, nevertheless, God. Comes in, I think I've got the whole verse. Is that first Corinthians? See, stand by. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. Think of the wrong verse, uh, but we don't find comfort um, on our own. So let's move on. I think I got the wrong verse on that. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Let's move onward and upward. Second Corinthians 12 verse number 9. Want the power of Christ to rest upon me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ here it is, may rest upon me. You can only do so much with the flesh. You can only lift the weight so long. It's going to wear you out. You can only live life in the flesh so long. It's going to wear you out. God says, my grace, and we can get rest in Him. That's where the power comes. And this is what I'm trying to get a hold of tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's do a few more. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 7. The Bible tells us we have some commands in the New Testament. Uh, kids, take a guess at how many commands are in the New Testament. Call out a number. 50? 1,000? 20? 500? 40? One youngster that said a thousand is the closest. There's over a thousand. I think there's a thousand fifty some. There's a thousand of them. Who wants to go through all of them? <laughs> he has like commands. Well, you know, there's more than ten commandments. There's more in the New Testament for us to do than just one little command or suggestion from God. None of them merit salvation. So let's go through a couple of them. First Corinthians 10 verse 7. Look what it says. Neither be ye idolaters. God says don't have an idol. If you're celebrating a day and that day is an idol, consider that. You know what else God asks us to do? 1 Corinthians 11.25. Look what he says. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup. Well, he says in, in verse uh, 25, the end of 25, sorry. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. You know what we remember? You know what God asks us to remember? Verse 26. You do show the Lord's death till He come. We do that Lord's Supper. We do that at the end of every month. God says, do that. Do that. Notice it doesn't say we remember His birth. Do we preach about His birth? Do we believe His virgin birth? We certainly do. We do. But we're not commanded anywhere in the New Testament to remember, as we do in this ordinance, Remember his death, what he did on the cross for us. So just chew on that. Think about that. Second Corinthians six. Go back there. 
We'll just do a couple of these and we'll move on and close out. Second Corinthians six, verse number 17. Look what it says. Uh, I'm looking for come out from among them and be these separate be separate, saith the Lord. 6.17 Oh, thank you, sister. I'm in 1 Corinthians. I thought I had the right... I wrote down the right verse. I went to the wrong book. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Verse number 17. Okay, there it is. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. You know, God commands us. He says, be separate. I know that we can say everything's worldly. But... Doesn't God call us out to be separate from that worldliness, that world establishment? We are a separate people. Now, we're not the nation. We're not Israel. We don't have a land grant. But God wants us to be separate. That's one of the reasons why we're called Pilgrim Baptist Church. We're pilgrims. This ain't our home. <laughs> and we're not just wanderers. Wanderers, they don't know where they're going. They have no destination. We do. We do. You might not enjoy me now. I might not enjoy you now. One brother might not enjoy another brother now. But one day we're all going to be with the Lord and none of that is going to matter. <laughs> it ain't going to matter. God wants us to be a separate people. We should do things different. You don't have to turn there for sake of time. Hebrews 13, 5. Here's another command. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Anybody raise kids? Hello. <laughs> Can I have this to eat? What's for dinner? Can I go out and play? Can I have this? Can I buy this? And then it goes on to say, and be content with such things as you have. You've been married? <laughs> the wife wants this. The husband wants this. And it's just... God tells us to do those things. Don't, don't, uh, you don't have to turn there, but uh, Acts 2.38, no, God commands believers to be baptized. Be baptized, every one of you. That's what he says. In First uh, Timothy chapter six, let's go there. First Timothy chapter six, verse number twenty. I really like this verse because, um, listen, kids. If you're going to school or getting taught by any type of curriculum or teacher, here's what you got to know. The Bible always, always confirms true operational science. Every time, all the time, without fail. And once the scientists catch up to God and, the, and his word, they end up getting it right. <laughs> and until they do that, it might be a theory or a thought. Or, but true operational science always, 100% of the time, lines up with God's word. I'm not a scientist. I can't figure out all the scientific equations, all that. I didn't do well in that in school at all. But I know I can believe this book. So I don't have to figure it out. I just know. But you know what we got to be aware of? Verse number 20. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and opposition of science falsely so-called. Hello. How do you get a big fat man in a red suit to go around the earth in a 24-hour cycle? Science falsely so-called. 
How do you get a big red man in a fat suit that can't fit down a chimney, get down there, science falsely so-called? How do you get a big red pagan troll in a, in a red suit to put all these gifts around all these uh, the, under these trees? How do you do that? Science falsely so-called. How do you get rabbits to lay eggs? Science falsely so-called. None of it makes sense. But man, we believe that. You show a bunch of first graders that pagan troll in that red suit. Man, they all get excited. We're going to get something. You show them a, a, a war hero. Who's that? That's a real hero. That's who that is. You show them a picture of Jesus Christ, even though we, you know, we don't have a picture of him. But if you were to do that, they have no idea. Because our hearts have been so taken away to these things that aren't true. And we've lost the reality of what is. All right, let's finish out. Let's finish out. Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse number 7. God does not want us to be like the heathen. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. You say, you, do you say the same prayer every day? That's a repetition. The heathen pray when it's worthless and meaningless. There's no heart behind it. It's just a vain thing. It's a worthless. So it's a vain repetition, not just a repetition, a vain one. That's what the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. You make a big to do about it. They think that's the heathen. We should not pray like that. We should not be like that. Everybody get that? Psalm chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Heathen people do this. All of these solstices, they imagine a vain thing. All of it. They celebrate the winter solstice. And we'll get into this in details in the next couple of Thursdays. In 270 AD, Rome made an official seven-day festival. It ran... From the 17th to the 24th. You know how it ended? On the 25th of December. You know what it ended with? A gift exchange. <laughs> you know who's in worship to? Saturnalia. Who's Saturnalia? That's the sun god. What was Saturnalia the sun god in worship of? The god of excess. Let's get as much as we can. It's a vain thing. A vain thing. Psalm 135, well, let's turn to Jeremiah 10 and we'll, I'll try to end with that because I know that's probably the verse everybody's waiting to see if I'm going to go to. Uh, so we might as well just tackle it. Uh, now, as you're going to Jeremiah chapter 10, Psalm 135, 15 says, The idols of the heathen, this is interesting, are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Man creates idols in a few ways. One of them is with their hand, is his or her hands, and the other is in their mind. They imagine a vain thing. We just looked at that in Psalm 2. 
Now, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 10 and let's see. We'll come back to this as we go through the weeks, but I do need to finish up my introduction here of some thoughts and some things to really consider and think about. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 1. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. So he's speaking to the nation. Thus saith the Lord, learn not. Here's the thing that people say, well, that's not why we do it. Learn not the why of the heathen. Well, that's not why we do it. Do you think God is concerned about why you're doing what he asks us not to do? Well, God says not to lie. Yeah, but that's not why I, I do it. I lie because I don't want to hurt the other person. I lie because it's going to benefit the family. I lie. God don't want you lying. Learn not the way of the heathen. Any heathen ways. Anybody want to play Ouija board with the kids on Sunday school? No, oh, Sister Caroline throw you out. <laughs> She'll throw that board out. <laughs> Is that going to fly? Learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the sign of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. Now, everybody says when they get this verse, they say, well, look, this, this next part coming up, they're just having idols. This is about idolatry. And it is about idolatry. You know what they're doing? Cutting something down, they're putting it up, and they're worshiping it. It is. It is. But God can give me a glorified body. I'm going to be able to walk through a wall. You're going to be able to fly with the Lord. Wherever the Lord goes, you're going to be able to go. If you're saved and you die tonight... Where are you going? Wherever the Lord goes. <laughs> you can go in. You're going to have a glorified body. We believe all that stuff. We meet the Lord in the air, the whole thing. Be like Superman, Superwoman for real. Christians believe some crazy things. You mean to tell me I have a soul inside that needs to be saved? Huh? Can you scientifically prove that? No. Do you believe it? Yeah. Why? By faith. But you think about it. It's kind of wacko. <laughs> But it's 100% real. Because God is real. When people get to this and say, well, that's not really what it means. Then what does it mean? Let's read it together. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. And they deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. I don't have to preach on it. You just read it, and if you want to believe it, you believe it. And if you think it's just about idolatry in general, okay. But it just seems interesting that if God can do all those other things, and we get to this verse and say, well, that's not really what it means, it's just talking about idolatry in general. Okay. We don't want to do anything that heathens do. And we're going to start running a little bit of history over the next few weeks. And we're going to see where this start, where this stuff started, where it came from, how it developed, how it got married into Roman Catholicism, and then how the Christian church took it and ran with it. And we'll see that historically. But I just want to close this introduction. I think I gave you enough to chew on, but I want to close with this. Money. What are the two biggest offering days of the year? Christmas and Easter. You want to know why more people don't preach messages like this? Payday Sunday, baby. <laughs> now, no, that's not everybody. That's not everybody. And, you know, I'm being a little I'm being a little hard on my sarcasm on that. I'm doing that to just draw out a point that those are the two biggest giving days. So my question is, are we not preaching this stuff because we don't believe it? 
Or are we not preaching this stuff because we're afraid we're not going to get an offering? We're afraid we're going to kill the cash king. If that's the case, that attitude and that heart desire is wrong. Now, if it's the other the case, you just don't see it, you don't agree with it, that's one thing. I'm not going to judge anybody's motives. Matthew 6.24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on the one and despise the other. Ye cannot, I cannot, none of us cannot serve God and mammon. Lastly, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, For the love of money, it's the root of all evil. I don't want to do something for money. I'm not a hireling. I don't want to feel compelled that I have to preach this or not preach that because the church might get a big offering or the church might not get a big offering. I'm just saying, think about that. There's this money thing that's tied into this churchianity, cultural churchianity that says, you preach that, we will vote you out in about three weeks. You think I'm lying. That stuff happens all the time in good churches. In good churches. Not saying it's the case all the time at all. But I am saying it's something to think about, something to chew on. So anyway, that's the introduction. Kids, that was 37 minutes. You got through it. You paid attention. I appreciate you. I do. I appreciate you. That is not easy to listen to. And you sat up so well. I'm proud of you. Thank you for listening. All right, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We do hope that we can chew on these verses, think about some of these principles We do ask you to be with us in our time of fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.